Greetings, Cap fans, and welcome to Captain America Comic Book Fans Podcast, episode number four. I am your host, Rick Verbanis, and I am joined with my partner, Bob Lucius. Bob, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm great, Rick. This, I'm super, super excited for today's podcast because this is a great story. I know. I know. I am so excited myself. I, I, I have to tell you um, a little bit about my, my story and why I love this this run, this, this issue is we're going to cover Captain America 286 through 289. And this is a fantastic story uh, that's written by J.M. Damateus, penciled by Mike Zeck, inked by John Beatty, colored by Bob Sharon, and uh, the editor is Mark Grunewald. This is like an all-star cast as far as I'm concerned. And uh, it's, it's certainly a sweet spot for me. I, I have to tell you a little bit about my story, about my first Captain America comic book that I remember collecting on a monthly basis. I, I, I've had a few before, but my first one was issue 286. And uh, I, I think in episode one, we talk a little bit about how we got into Cap and, and I mentioned this. So I'm not going to go too down that path too much but um certainly this was uh my my first issue of captain america that i started collecting monthly and it just grabbed me and i just can't wait to talk about this story and and it's a little bittersweet too if you really think about it because this is the this marks the end to this fantastic creative team uh de Mateus has been on this series for two and a half years and he uh and and zach started around um, the same time. Zach did a few uh, issues before, uh, but before Demetrius took on, but I think it was 261, which was the beginning of that, that fake nomad story and uh, Red Skull uh, out in California doing the movies. Uh, but but this was the, that was the beginning of the run. Um, and then mm, half a year later, John Beatty came on board, which quite frankly, Zach and Beatty, they're just, they're just, fantastic together uh and of course bob sharon who has been the colorist for <laughs> forever and he and he continues to be on but but at least you know this was the last of this story arc and he went out with a bang and so for me when i first read this started reading it i, I immediately had to get the back issues and that that became my that became my first time as a comic book fan realizing the 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 fantastic world of back issues like you could go and go to these places and they have them and you can go and find them and fill them in and and that started the hunt and uh quite frankly i i have uh damateus zek and Beatty and sharon to blame yeah the 18 yeah exactly yeah so i want to set the scene i want to set the scene for 1983 so you know for myself i was in that summer between seventh and eighth grade which is uh you know at uh, kind of a just starting puberty kind of time period. So that was my mindset. And um, it was, uh, I want to say these came out, the, the cover dates were listed as October, November, December, January. But they actually went on sale um, in direct because they actually had direct back then. They went on sale June 14th, 1983. And then it hit the newsstand July 5th. I found it on the newsstand personally. So it was the summer 
between seventh and eighth grade. So in 1983, what else was going on? And I'm doing this because I want, I want the listeners to also kind of put themselves in the mindset of like, I remember this because what was the number one song back then? Michael Jackson, Thriller. What was, what was the number one movie back then? Star Wars Return of the Jedi. Uh, number one on TV, the uh, number one rated show was the finale to match. And then for those gamers out there, guess what was introduced in Japan in that time, Bob? Uh, I don't know, man. Mario Brothers. Mario Brothers. So try to remember where you were during those times. And that kind of sets you for the mood of what's going on in this story. And the other thing that really sets the mood for me was uh, a big made-for-TV movie at that time in 1983 was a movie called The Day After. Do you remember that, Bob? Oh, yeah. Man, that was, that was a freaky, scary movie for a lot of folks, including me at the time. Yeah, yeah, exactly, right? So for those who don't remember it, uh, it took place – it was a slightly futuristic – I mean, this movie took place in 1983, but it's, the story took place in the mid-'80s. And it was in a small town in eastern Kansas focusing on the residents there during a nuclear winter fallout, right? So this was, this was uh, what we as uh, Americans were living with at that time, was that, that fear that uh, that could happen at any given time and that uh, the America that we knew would be gone. And so that kind of sets the stage for this story that – De Mateus wrote about Deathlock Lives. I think Marvel knew they had a really great story on their hands when they made this because they actually put together some promotions for it, which is not something you, you normally see. Um, but I'm holding in my hands right now, and I'll post this on the Facebook group uh, just to, to give everybody a visual. But I'm holding in my hands right now a quote-unquote poster of the uh, – of the, the issue. And I, I say quote unquote, because it's the size of a comic. It's probably a flyer that retailers got. And it's, um, it's, it's taking the art from the cover of Captain America 286, where it, it and that's just, just to remind everybody, that's the classic cover of Deathlock in a, and it looks like a alley with, or maybe even like he's in a sewer system or something right underneath the underneath the city streets exactly yeah. and and he's and he's got his gun pointed out his futuristic gun where captain america is in in a scope you see cap running and uh it's just a classic classic cover now and, and look i'm gonna pause here for a second because i've heard some criticism about this cover what but i know you know these these guys are like well, apparently the artist doesn't understand how weapons work. How can a scope show from the other end uh, what is, uh, what, you know, what's happening? Because it's a futuristic pistol. Come on, people. Cut it some slack. It's a really, really cool. Well, first of all, it's a, it's a laser pistol, right? Yeah. And second of all, that's probably the lens that is uh, reflecting what it's, uh, what's happening. Exactly. So, so if you don't like this cover, I mean, this, this cover makes your pulse race, right? And so if, if, and if you don't like this cover, you don't have a pulse, man. I mean, this cover is a classic. Exactly. This is the, this is what this, we're having this podcast today because of this cover. If I, this cover didn't happen, I don't know if I would have picked up this issue and become a lifelong Captain America fan. 
That's right. If somebody had gone back in time and picked that issue off the rack before you got to it, I mean, we wouldn't even be here. We, we have to do <laughs> a what if episode. <laughs> what if, you know what? That would be great. <laughs> ben Rick never got to be Captain America fans. It's going to oh be like gosh. some screwed up. It's a wonderful life. I know. That's uh, sad. So anyway, Marvel knew they had a, a great store on their hands because they, they did. They, I'm looking at this ad that they did, and I got this off of eBay. Thanks to our, our Facebook group, um, I, I found out about this. I, di I didn't know I always wanted it until I <laughs> in our group. And so I, I got this on eBay. It was cheap. It, was, it wasn't very expensive. But, um, and it says Captain America. And it actually does Captain America in its red, white, and blue logo as opposed to its current uh 1983 logo captain america super soldier of the 80s stalked by deathlock and his logo super soldier of the 90s a four-part epic beginning in captain america 286 you know i've also heard some some criticism on this uh where people say you know it says a four-part epic but it was only three parts wrong we're covering the four parts in this podcast. Just because Deathlock wasn't in the fourth part doesn't make it a four-part story. We'll go over that. Yeah. Um, there's also a – they did a black and white um, larger version of this that's, I want to say, an 11 by 17. And uh, that's harder to find on hmm. eBay. So if anybody finds that, hey, shoot me a message. I want to get that for my Mike Zek wall. All right. Getting back to the story. So – uh, we're we're starting off with uh, this this um, inner monologue, and we don't know who it is. And they're they're talking about uh, what's going on in New York City, 1991. So we're already boom. We know we're eight years in the future, and it does not look like a good place to live. It looks like a disaster, right? It's 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 similar to the day after, maybe even worse, right? Because this is uh, years after what happened. And there's a, there's a guy who's uh, in the middle of a sidewalk who's um, eating some, some human flesh because uh, there's not enough food to go around and he's roasting it. And then these hoodlums come up, these teenagers come and they, they kill him to take his food. And so we, we then go down. So we're, so we're painted a screen, right? We know what's going on. And this inner monologue is interrupted by a computer, a computer inner monologue. So that, so it's, it's like, what's going on here, right? And, and um, the, the computer is, is correcting the, uh, the human inner monologue. And it makes for a kind of fun back and forth. They're kind of arguing. And it's, it's really good. And so the next thing you know, we're, we're in um, – to the person who is having Intermog, we're introduced to Luther Manning. Now, Luther Manning, if you aren't aware of the, uh, and, and we're also uh, introduced to a character called Godwolf, right? Now, these, these are maybe new to Captain America fans, but they're not new to Marvel Comics. So um, back in uh, 1974, when Deathlock, uh, the, the Demolisher, was introduced into um, Marvel Universe with Astonishing Tales 25. Um, that was a, the, the first time we get to see uh, Deathlock. And then his clone, who we're, we're seeing here in Captain America, was introduced in 
number issue 33. Um, so, and I, and I want to say God Wolf was introduced in issue 36. So these characters were, have been around, but they're new to Captain America. And it was kind of interesting. Uh, I don't know, Bob, uh, were you, were you reading uh, Astonishing Tales back then? Were you into Deathlock or Cyborgs or anything like that? You know, I, I wasn't, Rick, but, uh, but it's interesting um, that these, uh, this character would have come out back in, uh, in 74 because there was a little bit of, uh, you know, excitement in the sort of the broader cultural sort of milieu at the time about cyborgs and androids, right? So we had, uh, we had Westworld with Yul Brenner's Gunslinger that came out uh, a couple of years before this. And then, uh, and then the novel Cyborg, which uh, was the basis for the $6 million man television movie. And then eventually the, the series came out in 73. So, uh, so there was a lot going on about cyborgs at this time. And I was a huge fan of $6 million man. And, uh, but I was a bit too young at this point to be reading comics. Gotcha. Okay. I didn't know that about, uh, about that time period. That's pretty cool. And it's, it's cool that uh, DeMatteis brought him back uh, in 1980. So the Godwolf zaps um, Luther Manning into our time, which is, again, 1983. And next thing you know, he shows up in a uh, subway system. And uh, the title of the story is called One Man in Search of Himself! Exclamation point. And so Luther and his computer, his inner monologue computer, is uh, they're both talking about, hey, wow, we're, you know, we're in a new time period. Luther's a little um, freaking out. Right, because he's used to this this future where uh, it's rare to see another human being, and now he's in a crowded subway, so he's he's um, he's he's distressed, and he he runs out of the subway. So then we cut to Captain America in uh, I guess the Avengers Mansion, and he's training, and he's got a big smile on his face. He he's just you can tell he's so much at ease, right? And he's training with Nomad, uh, Jack Monroe, who who've been introduced, reintroduced, I should say, several issues ago as, as Cap's partner. So he's training him. And you know what else is kind of cool about this, Bob, is we have an inner monologue of Steve Rogers. In previous issues, we were seeing thought bubbles, but now we've got this inner monologue. So I think I think the writer, DeMatteis, he, he already established like the very beginning of the story with Luthor uh, gee, I sound like <laughs> I sound like Ned Beatty, Luthor. <laughs> All right, so uh, it sounds like so you know he starts off with the the monologue right with with Luthor, Manning, and then the next one is the computer, and now now it's Steve Rogers in our monologue. It's kind of cool. It's yeah. it, it makes for a good flow of the story, and I, I really appreciate it and 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 we do and that's the other thing i really liked about Mateus. you know you could talk about some of the other writers over the course of cap's long career right and there's been some great writers i mean starting you know if you want to go in the golden age i mean you know go all the way back to joe simon and then stan lee and steve engelhart and um, guys like that that came before Mateus. and then and of course uh, Ed Brubaker and, and you know, afterwards, you know, I know these guys always get talked about and maybe it's my sweet spot. Maybe it's, uh, you know, you always love your first, you never, you never forget your first, right, Bob? Yeah. Uh, but I, I always thought Dave Mateus did an 
excellent job fleshing out the character of yeah. Steve. Yeah. I, I thought he did a great job introducing and fleshing out his supporting cast, showing his family, his loved ones, his girlfriend. And, um, and it just, you know, for me, that, that's, that's Captain America is yeah. Steve Rogers, right? To me, that, I don't know, that's, that's what I love uh, about the character. No, I think you're right. I think uh, DeMatteis, he added an additional dimension to Steve Rogers. I mean, Steve Rogers always had, you know, was wrestling with some issues, right? The man out of time. And, but quite, quite frankly, uh, and I know I'm going to get a lot of guff for this probably, a lot of that uh, was two-dimensional. I mean, uh, and DeMatteis added, you know, he made, he made Steve Rogers a three-dimensional character. You mean, you really felt for this guy and, uh, and, and these sort of inner monologues, particularly in this issue, um, really sort of highlighted the inner tor- turmoil that, uh, that Steve was, uh, was undergoing. Yeah, absolutely. And so they're, they're Steve and, and Jack are, are practicing. And so Steve, through his inner monologue, says, um, you know, he's, he's kind of two levels. One, he's worried about him fitting in and getting out of his shadow. And number two, you know, he wants him to, to be better trained, right? So he, he starts to, I guess, kind of harass him a little bit, right? And, and he says, uh, you, could, you could do a lot better, son. And uh, you have all the grace of an elephant. You're sloppy, awkward. Every movement is out of sync. Um, uh, and then not very impressive. Uh, kid, if, if you helped me beat the porcupine, it was sheer luck. All you are, all you're ever going to be is somebody's psychic. Face it, without Captain America, you're nothing. And Jack's like, don't say that. It's not true. And he flips him. And then just then Jack notices that Cap smiling. And he's like, ah, you set me up for that, didn't you? And he goes, right. Now help an old man up, will you? And so you're, you're, seeing, you're seeing kind of this father-son relationship, which quite frankly, for many Captain America fans, we haven't seen since the golden age, right? We didn't see that type of relationship. We, Cap was either alone uh, or, you know, he had a, a great partner in, in Sam Wilson, but we're starting to see this budding kind of father, son, or maybe bigger brother, little brother oh, type yeah. of relationship. So we cut back to Luther Manning and he and his computer going back and forth. They're talking, uh, kind of figuring out, um, you know, that, okay, yeah, I'm a clone. I get it. I'm a clone. Um, but I, I got to find Deathlock. You know, he's on this mission. I just, I have to get to Deathlock. So he comes across uh, the, the police. Um, they, they, they immediately start opening fire on him because they see he has a firearm with him. And the computer's like, well, hey, you need to uh, fight back. You need to retaliate, uh, terminate. And, and Luther is basically saying, no, uh, that's, that's not what we're going to do. So he has some humanity in him, despite being a clone. And then Demetrius does a nice job of kind of going back and forth and, and, and putting in some memories to, to kind of explain uh, the Deathlock character for those who, who aren't aware and didn't read Astonishing Tales. Um, and he talks a little bit about uh, God Wolf and, and uh, some exposition there. So they get in the car. Um, he's obviously nervous. And uh, he, he reflects back on his training with Jack Monroe and, and the fact that Jack, he feels, needs Captain America. And he says, in my own way, I need Cap- Captain America as much as Jack does. 
He gives my life shape, focus, meaning. For a lot of years, I was a blank slate without him. But that's not true anymore. Steve Rogers has friends, a profession, a woman who loves him, a life. He's his own man at last. Isn't he? Question mark. So then we cut back and there's Steve Rogers. He's wearing a suit and he's singing to himself uh, because he's nervous. He's absolutely nervous. I love that. I love that, you know? Yeah, because why is he nervous? He's on a train to go meet his girlfriend's parents. Yeah. I mean, how many of us haven't had that, uh, that, that sick feeling in the pit of your stomach, right? I mean, Steve's one of us. Right. He is. He's, he's, he is the everyman. Uh, and he says, unbelievable. Decades of saving the world as Captain America, and I'm as nervous wrecked because of going to the island to meet Bernie's parents. Funny thing is, I'm probably older than they are. Of course, they didn't spend a couple of decades floating unaged in a block of ice. Hey, maybe I could write a book, How to Stay Young and Beautiful Through Suspended Animation. So Steve even has a sense of humor. Yeah. I like that, right? Um, and then he, he, she meets him at the train and, and hug. And I, I really like this part. He says, she grounds me. Just being with her makes me believe Steve Rogers can exist without Captain America. And perhaps that's what's really scaring me. Again, all these issues of, of DeMatteis building up this supporting cast and building up Steve Rogers, still a little bit of question mark there. Um, so then we get to the fact that uh, Luther is uh, heading towards trying to track down Deathlock. And as he, he's apparently getting closer, according to his readouts, uh, he's, he's fainting, he's falling over, he's feeling sick. And the, he asks, the, the computer's like, look, we got to, you know, we, we need, have insufficient data, further analysis required. And he says, computer, I'm not dying, am I? Insufficient data. Hmm. So they get to the Roxxon. Uh, is it Roxxon? Brand, which is a subsidiary of Roxxon. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I get those mixed up sometime. Yeah. Uh, so they get to this brand headquarters and it's a, uh, it's a, it's a corporation, the you know, factory type of place with a big fence wrapped around it. It's late at night. And just as uh, Luther stumbling across the road to get to this fence, Steve and Bernie uh, in their car almost hit him and, and Steve grabs Bernie's steering wheel and jerks him out of the way with his quick reflexes. And he hears uh, as they get out of the car to see if the guy's okay, they hear Luther say, got to get in there, got to find Deathlock. And Steve immediately is like, Deathlock, whoa, I, I have to go. And Bernie's like, are you kidding? We, we got to meet my parents. He's like, listen, there aren't just any... Uh, abandoned buildings this is the brand corporation they're somehow still operating but they've got their hands on the deathlock sideboard can't you see i have to look into this myself you go on to your folks i promise i'll be there in the morning at the latest and any inner monologue starts again he says i'm doing it to her again so he knows he's kind of putting bernie in this bad situation so he somehow offs panel he changes into his Captain America costume because I guess he has that underneath his suit at all times and and the shield right sure and uh, he he comes up on Luther and he's like uh, you there Luther's like Captain America he's like that's right son now who are you and what do you know about a cyborg called Deathlock so 
Mateus doesn't waste any time with uh, getting into the backstory. He just jumps into Cap saying, well, that's quite a tall tale. By all rights, I shouldn't believe you, but I'm a man who's learned to heed his instincts. And they say, you're telling me the truth. So where do we go from here? So they break in to the brand and it's supposed to be this abandoned warehouse, right? And next thing you know, there's all these guards that are coming and they're just firing first. Like they're not even like, who's there? They're just starting to shoot. Um, and Luther shoots back. Cap uh, goes to town quickly with the guards. And then he, they bust through a door and they get into this even deeper place, like at this laboratory. And Luther says, where, where is Deathlock? And he's, he's very weak though, right? But he's holding his gun and he's like, where is Deathlock? And the, the, the last page here is a shot from the back going through Luthor's chest. And, and Cap's like, Manning. And the, the inner computer just is like, alert, alert, alert. And then it just kind of fades. And um, uh, Cap looks up and there is Deathlock coming around the corner. All right, you on your feet. Up, I said, or you're going to be dead meat, courtesy of Deathlock, the demolisher. And then the caption at the bottom says, it's the battle of the year. Super soldier of the 40s against super soldier of the 90s. Captain America versus Deathlock. And that's just part of what's in store. And that's the end of issue 286. So 287 is a phenomenal cover. It's, it's, uh, it's got this beautiful coloring to it. In this background, it's kind of like uh, an orangey yellow, looks like flames, like, and the two are, are Cap and Deathlock are in like death grips fighting each other. And uh, uh, quintessential Zek, angry Cap face, right? It's just so cool. And I'm, I'm here holding my original issue by the way and uh it's all this is certainly a well-loved issue in the condition but it's signed by mike zek so i'm okay with it it's, it's mine and um the future shop is the name of this story we're, we're basically there's there's captain america holding a shot luther and uh Deathlock standing over them with a smoking gun saying get up and um but Luther's not dead. And he's like, Cap, ha Cap hanging in there, but there's something he wants to tell him, but he can't. So uh, Cap just gets up and he starts fighting and he leaps into battle, hits him with his shield. Uh, Deathlock is firing, but he takes his gun, smacks um, uh, Cap across the head. And now, just so you know, um, for a little exposition here, the computer says readout subject code name deathlock height six four which i think is the same height as cap mm -hmm. weight 395 pounds which is 155 pounds more than cap brain nervous system and still living tissue transplanted in synthetic cyborg body spine pelvis and major bones replaced by surgical grade stainless steel strength capable of lifting 980 pounds artificial right hand can so he's he's already explaining why with one punch cap has to kind of retreat right um because deathlock's really strong and then just then uh, uh luther says computer are you back online and the computer goes artificial right hand can can wiggle and waggle and poke holes in tissue paper every third sunday so okay computer's offline um but uh which i think is fun it's fun because, again, we're going back and forth between this inner monologue between Luther and 
the, the computer. And um, again, they did a little recap of issue 286. And uh, Steve's fighting Deathlock, and just like he always does, right? He's trying to get through to him verbally. He's, he's not just, I'm going to beat you into submission. He's like, Deathlock, listen to me. While we're fighting, the other Luther Manning is dying. Doesn't that mean anything to you? And Deathlock says, I don't know what you're talking about, Mr. Flag. I never heard of Luther Manning. Never heard? Of course. Those brand animals have wiped out your memories. What better way to ensure that you've got a perfect murder machine at their disposal? Deathlock, listen to me. You're being used. You're no machine. You're a man. Don't let that man remain buried. I can see in your face that I've touched a nerve. I've touched Luther Manning. So stop struggling against me and start struggling against your program. Deathlock's like, I'm, the only thing I'm going to do, Mr. Flag, is kill you. So the uh, more uh, brand thugs show up and they start uh, coming after Cap and uh, they're holding him. And Deathlock comes up and he grabs a pipe and knocks Cap right across the head. My name ain't Manning and knocks him out. But something happens within Deathlock. And he, and he turns and he sees Manning laying there with this gaping wound, dying. And, he, and you hear the inner thoughts of Luther Manning saying, uh, can you feel my thoughts, Deathlock? Brushing yours, pulling you to me. And Deathlock reaches down and as they touch, Luther says, that's it, Deathlock. Open the doors wide. Let it all in. Let's w- let what's inside me spark what's inside you. Let the two mingle, merge, become one. And then there's this gorgeous splash page of uh, Deathlock's helmet. And in, in there are all these different flashbacks to what he was before he became Deathlock, how he became Deathlock, meeting Godwolf, uh, Quasar dismantling him, basically a lot of feed, uh, flashback to Astonishing Tales. And, and I also like how, how they're all inside his head, these flashbacks, right? Yeah. So it's kind of very um, symbolic. Yeah. Right? Okay. You know, I, I, I just got to say, I mean, the, the pages leading up to this, um, I think, are just super powerful, right? Because, you know, from the, from the get-go, Luther Manning, this clone, has that felt compelled to like search out to, to seek uh, Deathlock. And he doesn't know why. He doesn't know why he feels compelled. Like this is his purpose in life. The reason he was created was to find Deathlock, but he doesn't know why. And it's beginning to dawn on him now why, why he's been on this mission and what his ultimate purpose is. Yeah. Yeah. And it all just goes into Deathlock. And, and, and Luther's last breaths uh, says, I can only give you back your self. And he, Fades and and Deathlock is like no right and he he's grabbing his head he's like ah and um now now the inner monologue is Deathlock and the computer inner monologue is Deathlock so it's switched over and uh, I remember it all and then just then he he goes after and he saves Cap and uh, he he's killing all of the the brand. Uh, henchman and um, but just as he's about to shoot the last one Cap Shield comes and uh, knocks knocks the gun out of the guy's hand and he hits him out and he says um, Manning are you alright 
All right, no way, but I'm myself again, if that's what you mean. Glad to see you're still one piece, Cap. Same here. But Manny, if you are yourself again, you must see that this bloody rampage serves no purpose. Our best way is to try to make it out of here in one piece, then plan a course of action from there. And so Deathlock says, after what these maggots did to me, Cap, I can't really see it your way, but I owe you, mister. So I'll buy into what you're saying for now. Let's do it. And please, no more bloodshed. Sure thing, Mr. Flag, but I hope you don't object if I put one little power generator out of commission like so, and then he shoots this power generator, and which, next page, is this big kind of semi-splash page with an explosion, and he says, oh, shucks, I just remembered. The generators in this joint are all on the same line. Once one go, they're all going to blow. Cap's like, Manning, and he's carrying Luther's body out with him as they're escaping the, the exploding building. Manning, you maniac, you knew that was going to happen. My God, all those lies, all that senseless waste, how could you? Easy, Deathlock says. But his inner monologue says, who am I trying to kid? It wasn't easy at all. And I'm going to pause here, uh, Bob, just because, guess what? This page, this page, uh, 18, or sorry, page 14 of, of 287. Um, I, is, is, I was very fortunate a few years ago. This is the very first original art page I ever purchased. Really? Wow. I bought it from some, some uh, dealer in Italy, I think. It, it, I got to tell you, it's framed, right? It's framed right here next to my computer so I can look at it every day. And I got uh, Zach and Beatty to sign it uh, 2019 in Baltimore Comic Con. And it's, it's so special for me to own a page of one of my very first Captain America comics. Yeah. You know, I hope everybody someday gets that uh, opportunity because it's really cool. So, uh, and, and by the way, if anybody owns any Mike Zek Captain America art and uh, you are looking for a buyer, please reach out to me. I, uh, I'm always interested in Mike Zek Captain America art. So we go back to um, Long Island where uh, it, uh, Bernie's house. And so the um, Bernie, her, her parents are obviously upset because they feel like last minute Steve just, you know, bailed on them. And, and so Bernie defends him and she runs up to her room. So she's pretty angry. Then we cut to a scene where Jack Monroe in his nomad costume is going rooftop to rooftop. And he sees a young lady who is... Uh, being um, accosted by these two armed uh, guys who want to steal her purse. And so he comes down to the rescue. He, he throws his little discs and get the guns out of their hand. He comes down, he knocks them out with some kicks and he turns around and uh, the lady there says, excuse me. And he's like, uh, 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 yes. Wow. I just wanted to say thank you. And there's this beautiful young lady. So then we cut to back to Luther and Steve. Uh, Luther had just buried his clone body uh, as a very symbolic thing. So they decide uh, to go after, go back to uh, to the future where, uh, well, at least Deathlock is right because he's he's got to to get back to to see Godwolf, and he explains to Captain America um, that. Uh, all the superheroes on earth vanished back in 1983 and it was all downhill from there. 
But Steve's like, but that's insane. It's impossible. This is 1983. So Deathlock says, well, then I suggest you start watching your back, Captain. As for me, I I haven't got time for yesterday's news. And he he runs off to the um, the uh, the place where Luthor was zapped into 1983. But then Steve starts to 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 have this uh, little debate with himself. He's like, oh no, I just remembered. Bernie and her family have been waiting for me all this time. But what about Deathlock's warning? The future of America, the world could be on the line. What do I do? What do I do? Well, he's Captain America. Of course, we all know what he's going to do. He's going to do the right thing. So just as, uh, as Deathlock is being zapped back to the future, uh, just in the nick of time, Cap jumps in there. And uh, they're in 19, I think it actually says 1993 in this issue. Or is it the next issue? But they, um, anyway, they're back into the 90s. And uh, Godwolf is very surprised to see uh, Captain America there. Um, so they, they start to talk about uh, what happened, what, why the, the America is in this shape that they are. And uh, it's, it's, um, it's really uh, an interesting, as they, they're walking up to the surface, um, Godwolf says, look, uh, um, welcome to the future, Captain America. What, little there is of it and then we get to the last splash page and it's cap saying oh no no and deathlock says oh yes and his inner monologue says i wish i could say it's good to be home but it ain't and it's a decayed new york city with uh, buildings crumbling and uh, craters in in the streets and next issue godwolf explained Hellinger revealed, Deathlock unleashed, and everything you always want to know about the 1990s but were afraid to ask, and the story we call Mazes. I, I just, I gotta, I gotta ask, Rick. I mean, I, I, I love these issues. I love the story, but I, I can't figure out why God Wolf is dressed in a loincloth. Well, uh, you know, I think uh, <laughs> it's created in 1974, and uh, that's your answer. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. I mean, and he has lo- uh, we, we left out. He has long blonde hair and a, and yeah. a beard, uh, and his his weapon of choice is a bow and arrow. Yeah. Uh, so he's. It he's, looks like he just stepped out of Planet of the Apes. Exactly. Yeah. I think that's exactly what's going on. Yeah. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So Captain America 288, the cover says Revolution 1993. So yeah, there you go. So I know in, in 286, it said 1991. This is 1993. So maybe, I don't know, maybe some time passed while Deathlock was gone and he came back to 93 instead of 91 or editing mistake, not sure. But on the cover is Captain America with Deathlock and Godwolf, these five other characters that are interesting. And in the middle, is a <clears throat> interesting like looking gold face that's part metal, part just as brain showing. And, you know, is that a Zek thing? I'm not sure. There's been, you know, in, in many issues of Zek, there are characters that have uh, big characters with their brains showing, 
I know there was one that uh, Baron Zemo or no Zola Zola had created and put uh, his friend Arnie's uh, partner brain into it and mm-hmm. uh, there's that I think there was another one so I don't know if it's just a Zek thing but uh, he likes to show the brain all right so we go inside this story is called mazes and uh, again we have Demetrius, Zek, Beatty, Sharon and then Mark Greenwald as editor so um, this time we're going into the inner monologue of Steve Rogers and um, I'll just start with reading that I've been called a living legend, a super soldier, a sentinel of liberty. Over the years, people have come to look upon me as something larger than life, a symbol. That's one devil of a responsibility, even to Captain America. But now as I walk through the streets of 1990s New York, of this ruined shell of a city, I don't feel large or legendary. I feel small and very much a man. So that's uh, that, that goes back Bob, to what we've said that, um, you know, Steve is very much one of us. Yeah. Yeah. And he's still, he's still wrestling with his place in the world, you know, and that's, uh, that's sort of an ongoing theme in this, uh, in this, uh, the story arc, right? I mean, Luther found what his purpose was, but Steve's still, still wrestling with it. Right. And then, so we go through, Godwolf explains how this happened, right? So he explains that, um, he used to be part of this squadron. Uh, I think it was called the, the Nth. The Nth Command, yeah. The Nth Command, right. And they had come up with a, a device that can teleport people and things to another place, which is uh, where they instantly die. Like it's, it's an atmosphere that they, they can't survive. And so they had a... Um, uh, on, a, on a day in 1983, the groups infiltrated the, the headquarters of the Avengers, the Fantastic Four, the Defenders, and the X-Men, using our nth projectors to beam the lot of them into hostile realities where instant death resulted. Once the larger groups had been erased, the individual heroes were stalked and eliminated with surprising ease. <clears throat> so that's what happened. And the, with the major roadblocks to their supremacy removed, Roxxon did what it had wanted to do for years, launching its revolutionary forces in an attempt to take complete control of the United States. And um, so as he's talking about this, they're walking through to uh, uh, the, the ruins. So you get to see this through, through the backgrounds of uh, Zek and Beatty's work. And <clears throat> there's um, inner monologue of Cap, and he says, there's something in Deathlock's voice, an urgency, a humanity, that I haven't heard before, something of the man I met back in 1983, the clone who led me, to be, led me to Deathlock and to this hellish future. But I can't think about that now. I must concentrate on what Godwolf was saying. So Godwolf's then going on talking about how uh, pretty much a lot of people were killed. And, you know, this this stayed with me. And I, I really love this about Demetrius. He kind of pauses here. And the inner monologue of, of Cap says, how many dead, I wonder. How many innocents slaughtered because of a band of venal, powered, hungry lunatics? It's so hard to comprehend death on such an immense scale, so blasted hard. So it takes the human portion of Steve to try to just pause for a minute here. And it's like, look, this isn't just another story of where everybody's dead and now we're going to try to change the future and come, you know, 
go back in the past and um, like he, he's actually pausing and, and showing that, uh, yeah, we, we need to understand the amount of death here. So they, they talk about, like, well, who was in charge of all this? And uh, Deathlock says Hellinger. Now, Hellinger was a character, as I mentioned earlier, uh, that was introduced in um, Astonishing Tales. So we get to this, this group of, of beings that we saw on the cover that uh, Godwolf introduced to. And these are, um, now we kind of get into like an 80s type of story that, uh, you know, I don't know. It just feels like a very 80s thing where, you know, almost like a, a, the A-team or, mm-hmm. you know, some sort of movies, you know, or sitcom where it's like, okay, well, we've got to have one character that represents all these other characters uh, and they're all completely different, right? We've got uh, the sage who is this thin-looking hippie guy with a staff. And then we've got this swashbuckler guy um, uh, who looks like Errol Flynn. And then Gentle Sam. Of course, he's called Gentle Sam because he's a huge guy, but he has a childlike uh, look of eyes to him. And then we've got a miniature version of Mr. T. You know, yeah. uh, he's this, this black guy with, his, with afro and gold chains. I mean, really, he's just a manager version. And he, and he's um, in this one. He's called Big Man, of course, right? We gotta, we gotta do that. And then uh, Iron Butterfly is this woman with a guitar strapped to her back. So, so it's just okay, very eighty-ish. But mm, it, you know, it is what it is. And so everybody's all just like, oh, it's Captain America. And of course, you know, they're all enthralled with him. And Cap, uh, you know understands that um that it's the symbol right that that uh, evokes this this response it's it's the costume it's the symbol and so uh they talk a little bit more about hellinger and they realize they have to attack hellinger because he wants to what hellinger is this cyborg he was the guy who originally created Deathlock, and then he himself became a cyborg and he wants to wipe out all humans so that he can um, his machine followers can rule. These uh, Homo ascendants is what they are, what they're called. And this story was also uh, back in Marvel Spotlight thirty three, Marvel two and one twenty seven. So there's, there's there's again, Damateus is building off of previous stories, which I like. And so they 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 have these ba- band of what they're called redeemers, and uh, some other people, and they decide they're going to go attack. Uh, after um, <clears throat> the uh, Hellinger in, in his base. And Deathlock shows a little bit more of his, um, uh, they say, well, you know, you can be a symbol, you know, because you can, you're, you're a symbol because you're, you're, you're an inspiration based on what you've overcome. And, and Deathlock's, no, no way. But then Steve goes into his, his nice little, soapbox that we we sometimes get during Demetrius run and he says you you are deathlock you are america 1991 you've been beaten down used abused you've had your body pulled apart put together in a form of machine and yet your spirit still refuses to be crushed you still manage to hang on to fight back and if you can do it then and deathlock turns his back to him stuff it <laughs> no i think i know what you're feeling for years your life has been a meaningless scramble for survival. You've never looked beyond yourself to the larger picture, 
But I saw something in your clone, Deathlock, a decency, an honor that could only have come from you. And I think when he touched you, returning your lost memories, he returned your lost dreams as well. And Deathlock slowly turns around to look at Steve while he's talking to him. I think he drove a nail into Deathlock's coffin and set Luther Manning free. Could be, Captain. Could be. And so um, they, they decide to, to go after Hellinger, who, by the way, through his computers, has been watching all this this entire time. Um, we kind of break back into 1983 in Long Island, where uh, Bernie's back at her parents' house. He's, she's upset still. She's like, I don't know. Do I love Steve? Do I love Cap? Can I, can I do this, continue to do this? And her sister comes and tells her to go to bed. Next page, Manhattan, 1983. And we have uh, Nomad sitting on uh, this very secluded place uh, near a bridge, uh, kind of uh, on a rock uh, in nighttime. And uh, him and his uh, rescuee that uh, he, he helped out, this lovely young lady, uh, they went off to some quiet place so they could sit and talk. And he says, I can't believe we've been talking like this all night long. There's something about you, Scarlet, something so special. And she says, I feel the same way, Nomad. Why, when you came leaping out of the night like some angel from heaven and saved me from those muggers, I, I, and she leans in, she kisses him. And he, he falls over, grabbing his throat. Yeah. And she says, excellent. My kiss had the desired effect. Now listen carefully, you romantic young idiot. I have orders for you. Dun, dun, dun. So that's setting up an upcoming story. So we go back to upstate New York, 1993. And uh, Hellinger is uh, getting ready for the Redeemers and Cap and Deathlock. And they're in these flying, these flying vessels. Remember the flying vessels we had back in 1993? Those were awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, it's a shame they're not around anymore. Anyway, so they're in these flying ships uh, and they're all one per ship and they all are like convertibles. So um, these, these drones come out and they're firing and uh, there's a little uh, air, air battle going on, um, which takes place for like three, three pages. And um, they finally land and they get out. And as they're there, um, the, the re- cap and the redeemers, right? So it's, it's uh, Deathlock, Godwolf and the five redeemers. <clears throat> so they all fall, the eight of them, uh, the doors open up underneath them. That sounds familiar. And the doors open underneath and they fall down to this dark area, which is a maze. It's set up like a maze, but they, uh, as they're falling, they, they, there's some, some gentle air that allows them to, to land uh, safely. And so they're, they're all there crammed together, walking through this maze. And out of nowhere, uh, two of them, uh, the uh, Sage and Swash, get sucked up into the air. And you hear Hellinger coming from, he says, uh, indeed, Deathlock, then how do you explain the effortless way in which Hellinger sweeps these two fleshlings up and away? And so now he's, he's taunting them as they're going through this maze. And, and again... Very classic comic book style kind of fun uh, adventure, right? And it's scary, right? Because as 
as they're going, like the last two keep getting blocked off. So then, so then there's um, uh, the big man and uh, gentle Ben or whatever his name gentle is. Gentle Sam. Yeah. <laughs> they get, <laughs> they get trapped and gassed. And then, and so then it's down to the four of them, right? It's cap and Deathlock leading the way. And then Godwolf and, um, and uh, iron, iron butterfly, whatever. So she <laughs> get, get captured and uh, turned away. So that's just cap and Deathlock, and they make it, they make it through the maze and there's Deathlock. And no, I'm sorry, not Deathlock. There's Hellinger and he is huge, right? I don't know. What is he? 30, 40 feet tall. Yeah. And he's been cyborg with this uh, globe with his, you know, brain still showing. Cause I think that's the only human part of him left. And um, as he's there, he's, he's talking with him. This is Deathlock, if you will. And Deathlock shoots Cap in the back. Shoots him in the back. He falls over. Excellent cyborg. Once you entered my direct sphere of influence, it was simplicity itself to use my machines to wrest control of your computer mind and usurp your paltry will. Perhaps you were within reach of regaining your humanity, but I have seen to it that your foolish hopes have been dashed forever. You are mine now. And now, if you will excuse me, the time has come to key in the final program and recreate the world. So then we have the inner monologue of Cap. Why am I still alive? Deathlock could have ripped me apart with that laser, but he didn't. He didn't. That means there's a spark of Luther Manning still alive in there. Look at me, Deathlock. Blast you, look in my eyes. Remember everything we've been through these past hours. All we shared. All he gave you with his dying breath. Live, Manning, live. And let all mankind live with you. So at that point, Deathlock shoots Hellinger and says, I'm not a machine, Hellinger. You got that? Not now, not ever. I'm a man. I'm a man. I'm a man. He's shooting. And the, the Hellinger's body collapses and turns into flames. And uh, just like that, uh, the uh, other six characters, the Redeemers, they all show up. Everybody's safe and sound. And um, that's the end of the story. And yeah. uh, so he says, um, he may be gone, Deathlock, but the whole world out there, and this is, um, sorry, this is um, Godwolf saying, uh, but the whole world out there still is one devil of a mess, a world that needs all the help we can get. Deathlock says, sounds like you're looking for volunteers. Well, then I guess you got me. And Cap says, and he puts his hand on Luther's shoulder. Such a Cap move. You know, it's a very, you know, uh, I'm proud of you kind of moment. And he says, somehow I knew you were going to say that, Luther. The future is in good hands. What I've got to worry about now is the past. Next, Cap in the 80s, single-handedly taking on the entire Nth Command. Don't miss tomorrow, the world. Okay, we're in the last issue. And this one's interesting. And I understand why people don't think this is part of the Deathlock story. Because it has on the cover, this is part of the Assistant Editor's Month. They, they did back at the end of, of uh, 83. Uh, it has a cover date of January 1984. And uh, so it doesn't have Deathlock, and so people don't really kind of get it. And even, even the logo up the top, which is the, the, the famous Mike Zek logo since issue 275 with Caps leaping out of the corner rocks, it's turned around. You see the back of it. So you know something's wacky going on. And then you see, is that Modoc? Is that Red Skull? No, no, that is Mo Skull. So I love, I love this cover. Yeah, it's it's uh, Captain America 
being held uh, by uh, this combination of Modoc and um, Red Skull, which is Mo Skull. And you have on the cover, um, you have on the cover the four uh, creators of um, the book. So you have um, you have Mike Carlin, I think it was the editor, Mike Zek, John Beatty, and J.M. DeMatteis. Uh, they're there, and they're like, holy sock. Oh, okay, leaves. So Moskull says, as long as the editor of the comic book is on vacation, I'm the head guy around here. Which, uh, is that uh, Danny Fingeroff, I think, supposed to be? Anyway, holy socks, Moskull has taken Captain America. He's doomed. As a creative team on this book, it's up to us to do something. We'll do something, all right. We'll lose our jobs. Wait, here comes Bernie America to save the day. And it's, it's Bernie his cap's girlfriend in a Captain America suit flying. And uh, down in the, in the, the, the bottom corner where normally is like, uh, you know, the, the barcode, it says, warning, surgeons have generally determined that assistant editor's month is dangerous to your health. So it's fun. And there's a little backup story. We don't have time to get into that. She, she looks good too. Yeah, yeah. So uh, the story of this is tomorrow, the world, question mark. And it starts off with... Uh, the, the leader of Roxxon talking to uh, the Nth, um, what are they called? The Nth? Nth Commandos. Nth Commandos. These, these are the Nth Commandos, right. And there's dozens and dozens and dozens of them. And they're all holding these futuristic type of, uh, of weapons. And uh, he talks about the, the Nth Project and, and how they need to go on to, the, uh, to go after the Avengers, go after the Fantastic Four, go after the X-Men. Oddly enough, didn't mention the defenders like the, uh, they said before, but um, maybe they weren't uh, as as popular a few months. No, ago. well, they do go on uh, to mention in the next uh, the next page. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of an afterthought. Yeah. And as well as the numerous solo operatives: Spider Man, Daredevil, Moon Knight, Power Man, and others. So uh, Cap zaps back into current time, and then there's a nice little uh, recap page taking us through what happened. Uh, and then, uh, again, we have inner, inner monologue to, uh, of Captain America. <clears throat> and he says, but the most crucial task is before me right now. According to Godwolf, this is the day when Roxxon launches its superhero purge. If they're successful, the future I've just returned from, that ruined shell of a world, will become our future. I refuse to let that happen. So he, he rushes to a payphone. Remember those? Uh, yeah. <laughs> he rushes to a payphone to to call the Avengers uh to but uh you know he doesn't have twenty cents, so he can't make it through. Uh so then we zap to the next page where we see Godwolf and um I don't know, light but, that's a, that's Iron Butterfly. Iron Butterfly. Both clothed. <laughs> Sorry. Both fully clothed in this instance, right? That the loincloth, this is before the loincloth. Yes, and his hair is not as long. Yeah. I can't remember Iron Butterfly's name. That's <laughs> so funny. So Cap breaks <laughs> um, this, uh, this bank, which is a, uh, a front for Roxxon. And he tells the guard, call the police, but the guard doesn't. He just alerts Roxxon. And uh, there he is. Cap's got to get through dozens of these these rocks on uh, nth command and he's breaking through. And, and again, it's just this great inner monologue um, where he talks uh, about all these different um, 
so it's this great inner monologue, right? And uh, so I, I want to read some of it. And, and on page uh, 10, he says, um, funny, I've lost count of how many times I've battled to save America from destruction. And it's always given so hard to fathom what that meant. Oh, I've always understood the spirit, the ideals that I've been protecting. But how does a man get a handle on the untold millions of people attached to those ideals? It's nearly impossible. But these past months have changed all that for the first time since I was a boy. I really understood what a, quote, normal life is about. I've got the love of good woman, friends, a career. And through Josh, Jack, Anna, Barney, Mike, and Bernie, most of all, I've seen that American dream I've preached about for so long come within my reach. I've tasted the same struggles, hopes, agonies, and triumphs as the people I'm sworn to protect. Steve Rogers has made Captain America a better man. And how's that for a self-revelation? So that's, that's, that's really what this story is all about. Yeah. I mean, if you think about the, all the years of writings of Captain America, to me, when the story really comes back to being something that is enjoyable to read, it's Steve Rogers as a person overcoming his just everyday life that we have and his, his source of will, his source of um, uh, positive thinking, his source of, of just that energy that he has about him. Like if you ask me what super Cap, uh, Captain America's superpower is, I'd say it's his strength of will, right? But what, what good is a strength of will if it isn't, if you don't have humanity, right? He can't just be this two-dimensional comic book character that has a shield and uh, has great acrobatics and, and all that. He's a human. And so over the course of the series, it's interesting to see when the writers understand that. And they're like, we got to bring it back to Steve Rogers, and the good writers have done that, I think, over over the decades. Yeah. Well, I think that's that's absolutely right because you know, as we know, a lot of people have uh, not a lot, but uh, there's been a handful of people that have picked up the mantle as Captain America, right? Who have carried the shield. But and 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 as Steve has said many many times, um, the shield and the and the uniform itself is a symbol. Um, but you know, a symbol can be a hollow symbol. And Steve really tells us what that symbol means. Uh, and this, this, this inner monologue, I think, really nails it more than anything, right? He's not a William Burnside. Um, he's, he's Steve Rogers. And Steve Rogers, in many ways, is the, the penultimate Cap. He is what Cap is because of who Steve Rogers is. Yep, I agree 100%. So we go back into this last uh, few pages of the story <clears throat> and Cap makes it through to the laboratory uh, in Roxxon uh, thanks to the future Godwolf's uh, information, right? He, he, he tells him how to get through things, the traps, he, you know, when he should wear a gas mask, things like that. And he's right smack in the middle of the nth generator complex. And, and, Meanwhile, all the Nth Commandos are going out to various places, the Avengers Mansion, the, the X Mansion, the Fantastic Four building and all that. <clears throat> and they're setting up 
so time time is cutting close and uh so um just then cap he 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 goes up to try to to pull apart the, this machinery and popping out this there's this dome this dome right this dome and almost looks like a snow globe if you will but with some bubbles in it and all of a sudden it starts to grow out of its hole and it turns out this dome is the top of this giant robot once again brain showing maybe this is a early version of hillinger don't know and cap says good lord what is that and the robot which is huge got to be 50 feet tall says i am your ending captain america my mind it read my mind of course and now i shall kill you and it's so huge it's so incredibly fast another quarter inch and i would have had it and and he goes on to fight and he, and he has all these different weapons he has these laser rays which is heating up cap's shield which is that's never happened before that i'm aware of right the shield heating up uh, buckling from the blast um he throws the shield but the the robot catches it and um he says something in the machine's voice in its unliving eyes that really shaken me heaven help me i'm i'm afraid terribly afraid and i don't know why and the robot says you are afraid because you recognize death captain you are afraid because you intuitively understand that all the stamina all the ingenuity and in creation is useless against me and he throws the shield back at at cap and knocks him back and he's like pain feels feels like my ribs are broken lung punctured muscle torn in my left leg do as your heart tells you to do captain surrender greet oblivion with dignity maybe you're right and then cap next page grabs his shield and and this almost looks like the scene at the end of uh, Avengers Endgame where he grabs his shield and he pulls the strap on it on his on his right arm as he's getting up he says maybe oblivion's all that's left for me the oblivion i should have accepted 40 years ago after all i'm only one man clinging to his own pitiful hopes and all too fragile dreams one ridiculous man in a ridiculous costume who spent a lifetime tilting at windmills that refused to fall wait what am i saying there are millions of people out there just like me and their hopes aren't pitiful they're noble their dreams aren't fragile they're strong enough to shake the world and when i put on this costume to take up this battered old shield those dreams are mine become one and he and and what's really cool and i i love this this is a very 80s type of thing is in this one big splash semi splash uh you see captain america in in a shaded coloring and you see him 1 2 3 4 5 6 seven times in this one as he's running underneath he's hurling he's spinning he's leaping so it's it's kind of like you're watching this in motion he's saying this as he's going It's a very I I miss that art style of of seeing characters kind of flip like that. Um and then he he runs the 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 shield into the globe and it turns out it was all in his head. It was all in his head. And the the head of Roxon says, "That room was bombarded with psycho rays. They dig into the pits of the subconscious, give form to the hidden horrors men never dare to face. Every test subject was driven over the edge into total and irreversible madness." why wasn't he? Well, it's because he's cap. 
and a superpower is strong will. So uh, the Nth Commandos break into the Avengers Mansion, but their rays aren't working because the power source has been cut off. And then it ends with Cap uh, talking with S.H.I.E.L.D. and Nick Fury and explaining everything and rushing off to see Bernie. And, uh, and then we get into the, that backup Bernie story, which we, yeah, we really don't have time for. But, um, and there, and that, was, that was the story. And like I said, I, for me, wow, I'm hooked. I'm hooked as not only a Captain America fan, but a Steve Rogers fan. And I never stopped collecting the monthly Captain America comic books since that day in 1983. Yeah, it's a great story. And, you know, and I'll tell you, there's a lot of great, uh, great uh, story, uh, story arcs in the Cap volumes, you know, for decades and decades. And, but, you know, the, a lot of great action. Right. And uh, very, very creative. But the things I love are those inner monologues. I, I love those stories that show the tension that Steve, you know, he's wrestling with him, uh, his identity as Steve Rogers and his identity as Cap and how to reconcile those two. Uh, and I love this particular story because uh, it has uh, Jack Monroe and Luther Manning also struggling to sort of reconcile their identities. And so, and it's just, a, it's a really, um, not only is it action-packed, but uh, it has a higher level of thinking, I think, in the writing of this, uh, of this, these books. And uh, yeah, it's a, it's a classic. Yep, absolutely. Uh, and, and I know many fans love this. So we would love to get your thoughts on this story uh we could talk um you can either visit us on the captain america comic book fans facebook group and we could chat there um or you know you could go to our anchor page which is uh the link is in the, the show notes and you can um go on there and record a voice message and tell us what you think there as well and, and speaking of feedback, Bob, we've got uh, some listeners who have left us ratings on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, and uh, we love it when they when they send us feedback and leave us uh, five star ratings. So we appreciate that. And this one is from listener Poseidon nineteen seventy six, and Poseidon writes, "A Star Spangled Fan Cast" is the title with five stars and says, Rick and Robert are very knowledgeable and excited about Captain America. It is fun to listen and join in their obvious love of an iconic hero. Looking forward to hearing more from them. Give them a listen. You'll be entertained if you have any fondness for Captain America. So thanks, Poseidon. We appreciate that feedback. And if you uh, go on to Apple Podcasts or iTunes and leave a five-star review, we might also uh, read your review here on uh, the next podcast. Hey, Rick, what do you uh, what do you think the chances are that that Poseidon might be the Submariner himself? He, I don't know. But he would he would be more angry, wouldn't he? Yeah. <laughs> You're right. You're right. He'd have something to complain about. Right. And if you want to <laughs> blade at night, listen to Rick and Bob. As... <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, so that that's uh, speaking of of next podcast. Uh, might as well talk about episode five, where we're going to have a special guest. We're going to have Bob Sharon on. Bob Sharon is the legendary colorist from Marvel Comics. He has colored, and I say legendary, I don't say that lightly. Right, He's yeah. colored over 15,000 Marvel Comics. 
So we're going to learn a lot about his time with Marvel, uh, the, his time with Captain America, because he, he, he worked on uh, over 70 issues, which included the talents of John Byrne and Joe Rubenstein, Mike Zeck, John Beatty, uh, Kieran Dwyer, uh, so, many, so many others. And um, so we're going to hear about that. We're going to learn a little bit about the process of coloring comics, uh, which uh, I didn't know. And, um, and then he has some uh, fun opinions about uh, guys like Rob Liefeld and Todd McFarland. And if you happen to go to our Facebook page, the Captain America comic book fans, uh, you will see that Bob's never shy about giving his opinion on, <laughs> on, on some of those 90s guys uh, that he worked with. So that'll be a lot of fun, too. Yeah, but you know he's been there and done it. So, uh, boy, uh, we're gonna—I I can't wait to talk to this guy because he has—he's uh, worked with everybody who's anybody. That's true. That is true. So that was uh, a lot of fun talking about the Deathlock lives, and uh, as always, Bob, uh, I enjoyed wrapping cap with you. Absolutely, absolutely. Can't wait for the next time. <music> 